awkward intro time um this is episode 71 of just because the human experience podcast i left the baby in the living room with the dogs he should be fine we'll see um for this episode i had on mlene from baja roots you can follow them at um baja roots az on instagram we had we wow uh serena and i had um her food Baharuts um, at a, an event, Mujeres Mercado, which is also another awesome organization. I've had a couple artists uh, from there on the podcast. And um, the food was fantastic. My gosh. Um, so I really wanted to have Emelene on uh, to kind of share her journey as to how she became a cook, what cooking means to her. Also, it was amazing to, to hear how much uh, she prioritizes inf- infusing her culture into her cooking, which is super important to her. Um, as you listen to it, you could find her and get this food in your mouth at a, a Cobra Arcade. Um, they're there Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9.30 to 1.30, and then Fridays and Saturdays, 9.30 to 2.30. Um, I went last night with Jeremiah. Uh, today is his birthday. Happy birthday, Jeremiah. Um, sweet baby Jay sauce. You can have his sauce all day and night. What the hell? Um, but we went last night. I wanted to treat him for his birthday. We got some tacos. Got some tacos to go for Serena. Um, and it was bomb. It, my God. It was better than the first time we had him. And the food was great. The atmosphere is great. Everyone's just hanging out, and she's she was doing her thing. And so so check them out. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, and this is the episode. Emelene Baja Roots AZ. I need to refill the tacos. So I'm I'm here with. Uh, do you want to be Emily? Emily, what? It's Emilene. Emilene. Yeah, oh, it's Emilene. It's prettier than the fuck. What I thought it was. Uh, Emilene yeah. um, from Baja Roots. Um, and what what would you be? I was trying to. I was I was so excited for this, and I was trying to tell people, she's the the boss, the 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 god of Baja. Like what what would your title be? I mean, like what's I like the I, CEO I, the. Yeah, it, I am the CEO, the okay. yeah, chef yeah. behind the whole entire thing. Um, you know, uh, people know me around like La Taquera de la Finiquera. Uh-huh. Just, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been running this thing for two years, two years. Oh, I wow. started very small, very yeah, yeah. small. But uh, I just ran with it. I yeah, ran yeah. with it, and it's been amazing. It's been amazing just to see the feedback from the community. Yeah. And to not even... I guess realized that this was my calling. Mm-hmm. I guess my passion. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, and we we were talking about like before I hit record, but uh, my wife, my son, and I were were eating, and we're sitting in the street, and it's super hot in Arizona. Um, but the food was so good, we didn't even care. We were literally sitting on the curb, just chowing down on this food, and um, 
my my son all he knows is you know more more and no are his two favorite words and so as uh we were we'd break him off little pieces of the food um he just sit there saying more so i think he killed most of the food and, um you know, i'm i'm sorry to cut you off oh, no, i'm excited at the fact that you are depicting that to me because that's my whole purpose behind this you know making you feel so comfortable enough to just enjoy your food and not worry about your surroundings yeah yeah, yeah. you know um and i bring my cuisine from the streets the streets of tijuana you know yeah. that's that's what i'm trying to capture and removes everybody's image of a gourmet taco mm -hmm. the simplicity oh, yeah. of a street taco it's it's hidden it's lost it's mm -hmm. you know and that's all i'm trying to do is just provide you that that opportunity to just enjoy what you have yes at that very moment yeah. and not worry about anything else yeah yeah we have we didn't care there's cars because it's right by the parking garage and we didn't care there's cars passing by where we're on the street and it we just got lost in it in the food and um i've tried because you're at a, a cobra arcade yes. uh and i went one friday um i said told my wife i'm gonna go they're there at like 9 9 30 and so i went there was no parking anywhere and so like 30 minutes of driving i gave up and then um this past wednesday i went with my brother and uh i think we got there really early and so unfortunately i haven't gotten to eat it again since but um it that taste has been like I've been craving it, and so when you you talk about bringing the taste of Tijuana, uh, is that where you're from or your family? My or? family, my okay. parents, yeah. The, my grandma, she still lives out there. Yeah. Um, from the age of what was it, maybe nine, ten, when kids can be independent. Yes. By the Hispanic household. Yes. Um, my parents sent me and my siblings out to Mexico, and we just lived out there for three months out of the year. Yeah. During yeah. summer and. I mean, my grandparents um, come from working in the parking swap and the swap meets out there. So to me, home cooked meals within the home Ooh. were not necessarily available. Uh -huh. um, it was more street food, yeah. what the vendors are selling, you know, down the street, around the corner, you know, down the hill, yeah, or, you yeah. know, wherever you got to find it. That's that's realistically what I was exposed to. That was my vision of Mexico, mm -hmm. you know, and. I loved it. I yeah. loved it. So much food to explore, so much flavor. Everybody had their own way of doing their own thing. There can be two burger shops next to each other, but yeah. they're completely different, you know? Yeah. Um, just finding a little lady selling burritos out of her bag, you know, that, that just those kind of exposures were given to me as a child. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to bring out here and infuse that and let people experience that. Yeah. You know, I feel like right now, we're in a point in our community where we're gentrifying oh, and mm -hmm. our culture is being exposed and which that's okay you know expose our culture we deserve it however it's not being defined properly by what it is mm -hmm. it's everyone's perspective based on their experiences yeah. you know and it's totally fine with me just don't overwrite the real the realist and mm -hmm. i mean i'm from the west side you know that's where the people are yeah that's yeah. where the community's at yeah you know and i would love to eventually bring that community to where they deserve to be mm -hmm. you know it's growing take advantage of the opportunity that it's growing yeah downtown is you know skyrocketing quickly yeah why not bring that culture and that community into here so that they can also benefit from everything that's happening 
Exactly, yeah. And that, that eventually is my perspective and my journey that I would like to take. Yeah. And hopefully it goes that way. Yeah. Um, but it, that's, I, I, I'm, you know, that's why I feel you've experienced that. Yes. Because I've pushed myself to provide that. Yeah. You know, people request, or I'm sorry, ask why I don't have a food truck, get into a food truck. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been opportunities, so many, but it removes away from the street food experience. Mm-hmm. It just, I feel like it just completely does. Yeah. The exposure of you being able to see what I'm cooking, how I'm cooking it, mm-hmm. as fresh as I possibly can, you know what I mean? Those are the experiences that I want you to have. And, and then at the end of the day, you're patient. You're not hangry. You're watching yep. the step-by-step <laughs> yeah. process before your food gets to you. You know, in a food truck, yeah, it's happening as well, but it's behind doors. You still can't visually see it all the time mm-hmm. unless they have, you know, a really nice truck that's completely open and customized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, and with um, so my wife is is Mexican from South Tucson, and I I I think I, when you talk about um, the cultures being exposed, um, and she was you know showing me what um, what uh, legit tortillas taste like and how to how to make beans and you know stuff like that, and then again when we had your food, she just kept going on and on about like I I guess how genuine how authentic how. It, it reminded her of, of being home back in South Tucson with, with the food. Um, and that, that's one of her biggest complaints about Phoenix, uh, you know, up till, I mean, until your food or a couple of years ago, was that there's not really good, legit Mexican restaurants or Mexican food to get to. And then we had your food, and we're like, dang. And she was, she was just, I, she lit up. Um, when you talk about your calling with, with cooking, has that always been your calling? Or how, how far back... Can you remember that that was... I mean, I <clears throat> I enjoy food. I love to eat, yes. you know? I, I enjoy to eat, and um, I guess the benefit that I had was growing up in a household where my dad was very uh, open to diverse cuisine. Mm-hmm. So uh, bringing in any kind of infusion of any sort, you know, I'll catch him watching TV. What 35, 40 year old man do you watch cooking channels? You know, yeah, yeah. he was doing it, he was doing that, and he provided that. Um, my mom, as well, you know, my mom would bring her own flair into the whole scenario. But um, I, I, I just enjoyed eating for a very long time, for a very, very long time, all kinds of seafood and Mexican food, Indian food, you know, and it stayed like that. It stayed attached to me for a long time, but until recently, maybe about seven years ago, I started doing social work. Mm. Um, and I had the opportunity to run a home with 10 youth at risks, you know, young ladies from the ages of 8 to 17, 18 at times. Um, and I think me just trying to expose them to other options was my first get-go like this is what I want to do for them I want them to learn other kinds of food not to just stick with the American cuisine the fast food frozen immediate throw in the microwave pull it out it's ready to roll you know Uh those kind of cuisines I didn't want to introduce them to that and a lot of them had health problems had you know um, physical problems mental problems all kinds of issues that they were having so just like I came to realize that food helped me mm. go through some coping situations that I needed to go through. I feel like I need to also maybe introduce that to them. That was the way of me 
creating that bond, you know? Yeah. And uh, I guess the tables flipped because they ended up teaching me mm -hmm. more than I even realized, you know, because a lot of them were going through that trauma. And to come to realize that maybe eight out of ten of those kids never had a home-cooked meal or running water, electricity. Some of them didn't even have homes, you know, living from motel to motel. Yeah. So homeless, just realizing what they've experienced completely, completely transitioned that over to me and made me feel that at this point, it was a blank canvas mm -hmm. on both directions, you know? Yeah. So I just started acknowledging myself a little more within food um, and exposing myself to just different opportunities. And I started gardening with them. We created a community yeah. garden. We were cooking out of that garden, you know, with these kids and just to see the transition in their lives, just to see their health issues changing, their facial expressions, their physique, their energy, just by food. Oh, yeah? You know? Yeah, yeah. So, I guess at that moment, that's when I realized that this is what I enjoy to do. This is what I want to do. I didn't know what I wanted, to, how I was going to get there, or how I was going to get to where I was. Mm -hmm. Tacos were never something that I thought I was going to be selling, uh -huh. you know, but um, it happened. It happened, and I had one small event at one point where it was just a family-based event, mm -hmm. and people enjoyed the food that we were pushing. Um, at that time... Um, it just became something word of mouth within friends, family, and it just started getting bigger and bigger. And I had uh, the opportunity to meet Alex. I don't know if you know who DJ Gentrification is. Oh, no. Um, well, I got to meet a really cool local DJ um, from the Valley. And one day he had an event and he hit me up to come in and cover, you know, the food portion of yeah. it. So I pulled up, I did it, and it just started popping off from there, you know, and yeah. just pushing out some more and more quality and different kinds, just experiencing within the art community. And yeah. I think that they're really one of the biggest supporting um, group of people that I've had that have helped me get to where I'm at. Yeah. For sure. Oh my goodness. And that's, I mean, that's the great thing with with food and, and diet even is just how, how much junk is in food usually but when you're you're i bet when you're growing it and you're making it and you're i'm guilty of doing the whole like three minutes in the microwave thing um and but yeah when it's good quality food it just the chemistry in your body just changes and it i i bet that did help um those women a lot uh as so i uh i grew up acting um and I still do from time to time, but um, do you get the thing where, uh, since your life is cooking and making food and being so uh, intimate with it, uh, are there times when, when you do go eat maybe somewhere else or you have other food and you just maybe critique it a little bit more because you know what happens behind this? Because I know, I notice when I, I watch movies or television shows, I'm kind of critiquing more so the acting and I, I can't turn it off. Right to just to do that. Uh, 
so I guess do you do that <laughs> um, when you eat at other places or are you able to just kind of flow in? Uh, my friends would definitely say that I'm very critical when it comes to that because yeah. I do critique mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily critique in a negative manner but I'm the kind of person that I guess if I like something I'm gonna go home and recreate it for myself the oh, way, you know what I mean yeah and there's nothing wrong with what the person has made is just yeah. a, I, to my palate it might need a modification mm -hmm. you know and that's I guess how it goes but I do I am particular to where I go and eat yeah. Um, I I I like to, f I guess, get routed towards more of the small little gem kitchens, mom and pop. Yeah. Like that you wouldn't know are here, or, you know, little vendors in the back of the ministry or something like right. that. You know, those are the kind of foods that I like to go and explore because it's here is just so anonymous. Yeah. People forget about those because you have. Like all these new uh, big concept restaurants yeah. being opened, yeah. which is fine and it's a business move, you know, mm -hmm. but you end up forgetting about the small little places. Mm -hmm. um, but I would have to say that, yeah, I, I can sometimes definitely be critical. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, growing up with you and your family, can you describe? A little bit how the household was and then uh, it seems the vibe I'm getting is like your family is very supportive with with who you are and and wanting to get into cooking um, so were you were you close with your parents yeah yeah uh, we lived in a household of uh, four siblings including myself yeah um, I was I'm really close to my parents for sure they were very scared and concerned when I did the whole job transition. Yeah. Say over when I moved from what I was doing to jumping into this. Mm -hmm. um, they were highly, highly concerned, especially my mom, you know. But I guess um, they've taught me what the hustle is, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what I ran with. If you can move and work and breathe and function, then you can make money. You yeah. know, you can figure out a way of income or revenue is just within yourself of motivating mm -hmm. yourself and doing it. You know, so, I mean, my mom was constantly on my ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, constantly trying to make sure that this was happening that was happening there was a big you know i had a downgrade i went from having a house you know to letting go and getting into a smaller place coming closer to the area where i was trying to work mm -hmm. um i went from that to just jumping into a minimum wage job as a line cook at an old job that i used to serve and bartend at yeah. just to get more of the experience you know and and just keeping my head over the water um, and hours started picking up things started picking up yeah um, I had an incident within that time where I completely got hit rear-ended in the freeway and lost my car and you know I had all my equipment inside of it and I struggled oh. for yeah it was bad because I struggled for about maybe five months I think six months just going from place to place, trying to like borrow cars, get my equipment yeah. for there, getting new equipment that had gotten damaged. So 
but I mean, I had to do what I had to do, you know, and, and luckily it, the results have been great. The results, I've, I've, I can say that due to the community enjoying what I'm cooking and coming back and being supportive, it's gotten me to where, hey, I, I ended up getting my a truck, you know, even yeah. a better vehicle than what I had to carry all my equipment. Now I'm expanding all of that and it's just getting bigger and bigger and I would love to, uh, I guess, create something a little different with the way I have my setup now and those are where I'm taking those steps slowly with the funds that I've been making. Yeah. Um, I've been, I guess, waiting to kind of share the news to everybody, but uh, we will be opening a brick and mortar. Um, We're in the process of all of that as well, so that's why it's like a balance of two at the moment mm-hmm. um, with Faja Roots and then what we'll be creating which will be called La Mordida mm-hmm. um, which is going to be an umbrella concept uh, within multiple vendors in that space. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, oh dang. What? How? <laughs> I'm just, that's so exciting. Um, what's been the trickiest um, as you've been setting up your business and now you're talking about these next steps getting bigger and expanding um i guess starting from you know cooking your kitchen to now you're you're cooking for people what's been sort of the trickiest thing uh maybe something that caught you off guard that you didn't realize oh i didn't know i had to do that kind of thing if there's if there's any i mean I mean, I guess the greatest obstacle that always holds everybody else is that whole first health inspection, the whole following, you know, regulations and getting licensed. I think that's one of the biggest setbacks for everyone because they fear, I guess, all of the um, responsibilities, the commitments, the requirements that you have to just battle through, you know? and I guess the next step is realistically, I mean, I'm running with no investors, no loans. Mm. Um, so it's just really, really busting your ass yeah. to make that money because at the end of the day, even when, you know, people don't want to work for free. So even if you do have people trying to help you out, they're not going to be working yeah. for free. Mm-hmm. No after hours at 2 a.m. with, mm-hmm. you know, I'm at Cobra, so sometimes these people are intoxicated and act belligerent. Yeah. Nobody wants to work with that for free or volunteer their time for that. Mm-hmm. So, like, really managing my time and how much I put into it so that I can see a benefit from the revenue, you know, or else, I mean, I can have a whole team of five people and probably walk out making 200 bucks in one night and that's at the end yeah. of the day it's not worth it right you know you're you're hustling 18 hours a day 15 hours a day at times and just to walk out with 200 bucks right you're just like well when Close. are you really going to make the dream happen yeah how do you how do you maintain that that pressure the i mean you talked a little bit about it how it was ingrained when you were pretty young the work ethic the hustle but how do you there's some day because i'm a teacher uh, and there are just some days where I'm just I can't. Not, there's not enough caffeine in the world. <laughs> These kids are going to run me dead. Like, how do you... And you're talking about, you know, it's it's 2 a.m. And um, I follow, follow you on Instagram. And the food looks... Like, the food looks so... Like, I wish I could eat my phone. Um, and, you know, drunk people are, 
are ridiculous or can be and just and how do you maintain that and talking about 15 really hour 18 hard. hour days it's, it's really hard at times you know i'll be honest i've had my my moments with a few customers there where i have to be assertive and and i came to a point where i you know definitely went to their level but it was to a point i guess where i just keep myself maintained as calm as possible i'm a very mm. patient person I mean, I, I was running a house of 10 girls, teenage yeah. kids, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm a very patient person. Um, I guess it's just a reminder of when I first got the keys to the restaurant, after I would finish, I would pull up and just take a look at the location and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing it for, you know? Yeah. Because it is, it is, it can be hard. It can especially when people like you said are completely intoxicated and don't respect the space and mm -hmm. that's one thing that i've been wanting to educate people as a street vendor in a food truck out of a food truck it's a heavy job and when people come and start disrespecting that it becomes very hard for you to even want to provide service to them right at times you know and it's like now you are holding me off completely from all the other customers that are waiting because you are in an intoxicated state of mind and are not properly functioning. Uh -huh. But then I know that, I don't know, the next, on, I've had a customer that flipped out and on Tuesday, the following week, came back and apologized for his behavior on the weekend. You know, oh, okay. there is people that do definitely step up for what they do. But then there's those that definitely just don't acknowledge what they have done at all. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, I guess. I, I'm 420 friendly, so I guess it's the end of shift. <laughs> Perfect. And end of shift is just, you know, the way no, of maintaining helps. myself sane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely helps. Um, how, with, how do I, when you're talking about social work, um, well, first, do you, do you, do you get to stay in contact? Like, have you been able to check on the the girls um, like as they've as they've grown? Um, I don't know because I'm always curious. Like when my students go off to kindergarten because that pre K is where I am, and then I'll, I'll run into them in the the world, and then I ask you know how you doing, and I find myself wondering about them um, if if they turned out okay, if they had issues. Um, so I don't know. Did you? Do you I, still get to I or? do. I do. Some of them that okay. choose to keep mm. in contact with me that are already left, that have aged out or have been adopted, whatever they choose to reach out to me, they can. Majority mm. of the time, they find me on social media, or you know, they're following me on the Baja Root account on Instagram and oh, stuff cool. like that. So I guess that's been a benefit. The social media connection. I get to see how they've grown. How they are going about their life, if they're going to college or whatnot. Um, when I first started this whole uh, Baja Root situation, and that's eventually has always been my passion, is to utilize the youth at risk as um, a a exposing them, not even utilizing, exposing them into a work community within maybe Baja Roots, La Mordida, or anything like that, you know, just being that building bridge for them to be able to get work experiences and skills has always been one of my uh, visions for my business is I have a young lady who still to this day reaches out to me she was adopted when I was there mm -hmm. um, 
and her brother has recently been adopted as well with the same family. So she keeps in contact with me and always tells me that she wants to, you know, eventually come over here and work. She does live a little further out on the west side, but she would love to come and, you know, eventually work with mm-hmm. me. And I think that I, I would love that. I would love to be able to bring those kids back into, you know, this space that eventually, at the end of the day, they help create. Um, I I have another young lady who is on my Instagram page, and right now she's doing amazing, and she's, you know been the first ASU student to graduate full ride from a foster, you know, she came out of our foster care, um, our group home care, and went to school completely, and I mean, she's been traveling around, she's been going internationally to different places, so just seeing that, Mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing, you know, to see these girls grow, Um, and I would eventually love to create some kind of programs like that. Yeah. to be able to reach out to more youth at risk. There's a lot of young men as well out there that need that kind of support, you know, that a lot of people don't even realize, but there is. Yeah. Where does, where does your passion, your also your passion for that come from, specific, specifically uh, helping the youth at risk? Um, where do you know where in your life that, that became a, a value to you? Um. I mean, I guess I was a youth at risk, you know. Okay, yeah. But uh, for different situations that happen as a child and trauma and stuff like that. And I guess that at those moments, growing up as well, being lesbian and trying to identify myself was highly risky. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents were okay after several years of me coming out. Um, but for a long time, they weren't aware of it. So I guess I had put myself in some shoes where I felt that I wish I had someone supporting me throughout my time. Mm. So I was just like, you know, I want to be that for someone. Yeah. And I fell in the group home setting and I was exposed to many other things that I never even knew. I thought I had it hard not even... Yeah. 1%, you know, of my trauma was equal to what these kids were going through. Mm-hmm. So I guess that there allowed me to see that these kids still laugh. They enjoy their life. They figure out how to not be uh, dependent on their parents eventually. And at such a young age, you're talking about 8, 10, 13 yeah. You know, to be just ripped out and not even knowing why you're getting removed from your house. Because sometimes it's not even because of you. Most of the, It's not even most of the time. It's all the time. As yeah. a child, it's yeah. not even because of you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's why I felt like I... It was a calling at that moment in my life. Yeah. I love that. And it's... And I think people underestimate how much... I don't want to say damage, the, like the effect that these grown-ups have on kids. And I, and I see it when I um, have parent-teacher conferences. And I just hear the, the language that's used, like uh, when they say this kid is bad or this kid is, is trouble. And it a lot of it falls on the parents. And, you know, I, I try to help them give them resources with, with whatever the issues or the situations may be. But um, I think... It's it's definitely uh, underestimated what 
what they do and 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 you're right it's it's not the kids fault and it and it sucks when i try to explain things to my kids and they don't quite get it and they think it's them i go damn no it's not it's not you and um it it rips my heart out um oh go ahead Oh, yeah, and, and, and I definitely understand your perspective because, I mean, it's very similar to what I was doing. You know, I I was a parent to these children from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, Monday through Friday, and I was a telephone parent anytime in between that, 24-7, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from because it does become very difficult to be able to make them understand what they're worth and what their value yes. is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because you're not their parent, because you're an outsider, mm-hmm. they don't understand that. So, and for a while, I, I, at first, when I started doing what I, um, working with that company, I would, I would try to reach out to the parents and, mm-hmm. you know, and they would call the kids there and have a conversation and try to, you know, understand their perspective and then try to, but it came to a point where I was being more of a, venting tunnel for the parents than for them really even understanding what I was trying to say. Mm. They would instead just throw all their baggage on me than to really listen to what I was trying to communicate. And at that point, I had to change my way in figuring out how to make my communication come clear to a child whose mind is a lot more clear at this point Mm -hmm. and make them understand what their values are yeah you know and helping them build themselves um and and half of the time it was just investing a little bit of time mm-hmm. yeah you know just i don't know sometimes even providing them with a brand new hairbrush and yeah. some scrunchies yeah it's it's definitely appreciated and um i i just wish there was more value put on the youth at risk I mean they're the ones who's gonna inherit the country I guess or just they're it's gonna be corny they're the future right it's it's who's gonna be here when we're gone and um, we've there's a lot of systemic racism just all this stuff that's that's messed up and yeah no that's that's definitely um, helpful and appreciated Um, we were talking earlier about how you you kind of want to maintain a, an authenticity with with your culture, with the food, and um, what's what are some of the aspects of of your cooking that you make sure? Um, I guess you want to stay true to the food from Tijuana, what you were inspired by, what you lived. What are what are some things you you consciously make an effort to put into your food and to to remember? I guess. Uh... It's the tools that I guess I, that I use not only okay. the spices or the ingredients, but the tools that eventually and the techniques of making specific things. You mm-hmm. know, um, my barbacoa. It's a slow cook for six, seven hours in banana leaves. You know what uh-huh. I mean? So it's 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 a process. It's a definitely it um, takes time for that. Um, I, my salsas, if I can, I'll make them in my molcajetes, you know, that I, and those I've inherited, those I actually, for my early birthday, my grandma gave me and inherited a molcajete and a metate, um, 
and a prensa to make tortillas that yeah. have been in the family for hundreds of years, believe it or not. I didn't. I thought they were being. They were exaggerating. That's I was like, beautiful. No. I was yeah. like, no. And she started telling me where, you know, they were my great-grandmas that she had brought from back home. And she's been carrying and holding on for so many years. And I'm just like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was that like, is yeah, amazing. Family heirloom. Now I got to definitely put these in the case and lock them <laughs> yeah, up and not protect use them. them. Yeah. No, but I mean, I try to use them here and there, you know, and, and try to make that just in, it might sound corny, like you said, but it's a spiritual healing kind of a thing that I can... I don't know, like, I, I guess just knowing that your ancestors yeah. utilize this, I, there's more emotion, more feeling that goes into what you're making. And yeah. the flavor comes out to those feelings, to those emotions. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've ever heard because I told her, like, are you mad today? I was like, why is that? Because your salsa is hella spicy, and it's oh, like I might have been, I might have been pissed off. I might have been pissed off. Somebody must have pissed me off yeah. when I was making that. But and feelings, feelings going to yes. your food, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, as of, I guess I try to get my chilies and stuff like that from Tijuana. Um, whenever okay. I travel out there, or my parents travel out there, which they go like once a month. I try okay. to. I know they're just. They they they, yeah. they just like to show off. Not just <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, uh, just have them bring those chilies back for me. Really gives a lot of my flavors, and that's where how I make my salsas and my paste for whatever that I'm making. Yeah. Oh man, that is beautiful. The just all those years of in that and what you're using. Yeah. Oh my god, that's, yeah, that's it, it, it's hard. It's hard to bring it out to Cobra, and that's what I'm yes. saying. It's really hard to bring those kind of equipments out to Cobra because people are on a different level of uh, senses, mm -hmm. and it's like I don't. You're not. I, I used to do hand press there, and hand press take a little longer. You know, it's labor, but people wouldn't appreciate that labor. So at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna reserve those to when I have bigger events, mm -hmm. requested events, and then I'll bring those out. That's why I just started sticking to just simple tacos and quesadillas, and we have a, a secret menu, and on that we switch it up and put different things on it. But um, you can find anywhere from mulitas, from uh, vampiros, papa volcanes, yeah. um, just me. all You're kinds of different things. How do you, um, with, I would say that, like that's an art, like what you do, and it's beautiful. How do you, I guess, push yourself, keep that hunger there of um, staying creative and not just, well, these are the, the three, four things I can make or whatever the number is and just, well, right, and just pop these out all the time. Like, how do you make sure you're always on your toes and you keep that, that passion alive? For what you do I mean I guess uh, I really don't like to call myself that but I guess I'm an, a, within the realm of art being an artist behind that you know I yeah. I guess I become creative in a sense where these are the ingredients that I have mm -hmm. what can you make with this this is all you have you know, and it, I guess it leads back to, again, 
having those opportunities to it, having to feed those 10 children mm. and having limited amount of food to make to feed all these people. Yeah. How can you create a dish with these five items to feed all of these kids? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that would be the same thing that I typically do at home. Um, I mean, my fridge is always filled with leftovers that I have. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like majority of the time it's steak, chicken, mm-hmm. or the al pastor in my fridge if I have, yeah. you know, I, I bring it home and this is what I have. What can you make with it? Yeah. Make with it. Figure it out um, and just experience and explore Sometimes they taste like shit. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. like, what the hell is this? Why did I even add that to it? Like, uh-huh. get rid of it, you know. And then I'll go down the street and get a torta or something. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it just I just jump into it. I jump into it and and see what I can figure out. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, so oh, we usually end with. Um, just now more just random questions too um because i think in a little bit someone's gonna come kick us out of the room um so what would you rate uh 10 out of 10 what is just you think is like perfection based as in here and anything any or anything it could be food it could be tv it could be music it could be a place Popotla. Oh, what's that? Popotla is a small little cove just south of Ensenada of okay. Tijuana. I would have to say that that's, to me, the closest that I've seen the most beautiful everything. Wow. I mean, it's the dirtiest. Okay. I, I will give you that. It's a small little... Fisher's Cove, mm-hmm. but the food, the people, the community, yeah. the ocean, it's, it's humble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's, it's about maybe an hour and 20 minutes south of Tijuana on the mm-hmm. Pacific. Yeah. So it's, when was the last time you were there? Just a year ago, a little okay. under a year ago. Yeah, yeah, just in October. And what's yeah. your, I guess, your favorite thing to do while you're there? They, I sitting at the malecon, mm-hmm. having the seafood that they provide there. Yeah, it's from boat to Ooh. table. Like yeah. literally, you pick what the fishermen are bringing. You pick what restaurant you want it to cook. You want to get it cooked at, and they will oh, cook dang. it there. Yeah. And just sitting there having your local mariachi performing, having a few beers, uh-huh. you know, and just enjoying the weather, oh. enjoying the ocean, getting in the water. Yeah. You know, going four by fouring, just hanging out out yeah. there. I think that's like ultimately for me. My place of, of of where I can meditate, where I can reflect, where I can collect myself. It's just away from the city, away yeah. from negativity, away from 
you see the humbleness in the people that are hustling behind what they're doing for mm-hmm. a living. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that definitely does sound perfect. Um, what is the hardest lesson you've learned? Hmm. I guess... Uh, that's a good question. I guess doubting myself mm. doubting myself for some time um, even just so with my sexuality you know for trying to accept who I was trying to embrace where I should be mm. and not necessarily re- rely on other people's perspective of me yeah and I feel like once I was able to grasp all of that, everything else just fell in place. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Do you find, um, and I don't even know if these are things you can untangle, but more discrimination or more uh, critique or whatever, hate maybe, for being a lesbian or being a woman in the in the cooking community? Um, I think, I mean, my presentation, obviously, it shows that I'm masculine, or if you want to call it a, I don't know, a butch, a dyke, every stereotype that's out there. I don't. Okay, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, I think when people first see me, they always assume that I'm a man, which mm. it's totally fine I get it the way I present myself I can't blame you it's the way we were raised is the way we were exposed yeah the way we were trained to react and Mm -hmm. all right that's that's our society but I think it then changes scripts when they come to realize that I'm a woman and it's my business Mm. they're expecting it to always be ran by a man Mm mm-hmm so when, like, I have my buddy, my best friend, he's uh, my right-hand man on the grill, you know, and he helps me on the weekends on very heavy events. He's the one that's helping me there. Um, they always, I feel like they immediately assume he's the one behind it once they realize that I'm a woman mm. and they still haven't completely verified who's running the show. Yeah. And it's totally okay. I mean, he's busting his ass behind that. He deserves it. He gets credit. You know what I mean? And, but it's like, no, it, it's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I, I'm a lesbian, I'm a woman, and I love to hustle, and I love to make money, and I enjoy to cook and mm-hmm. provide food to my community, and yeah, I'm behind it. Yeah. Does that, um, does that still get frustrating for you when you have to go... No, it's me. It's not. It's not him. Um, does that for it to be assumed that it's the man who owns it? And I mean, how do you deal with that frustration? If you if you still do, I like I said, I'm a very patient and mm. person, and I feel like uh, I'm gonna provide knowledge to you in the way you need me to and inform you but at that point you can carry it on however you like you know 
If you want to go speak to him because it might be better for you to speak to a man, then please go ahead. He's more than able to have a communicate conversation with you and communicate what needs to be communicated. Yeah. You know, and and I guess at one point it, it wasn't necessarily frustrating, it was annoying. Okay. You know, it was just like why do people assume that immediately that that's the way things go? Mm-hmm. You know, but I guess at, at this point I'm I'm getting kind of used to it and just letting yeah. it roll and you know eventually people will get the hang of it though you know I try to put my face as much as I can sometimes on Instagram so people can recognize mm-hmm. the connection that it's me that's running the show you know or yeah. or when I try to for example la taquera de la finiquera I want to utilize those female um pronunciations so that people can identify that it's being ran Mm-hmm. by a woman yeah regardless of what the perception is right right I like that yeah um what movie can you uh just watch over and over again and not get tired of hmm. I really don't like watch oh. TV that much so I'm trying to think which movie do I watch over and over. Oh my god, I'm like... No? What about, a, what about, about a song? It. A song, okay. Is there a song you can... Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why, ever since I was a kid, I don't know if you know who Café Tacuba is. I, I know a couple of their songs, yeah. Ingrata, I really enjoy Ingrata, that song. Okay. Yeah, it just has a really catchy beat melody, and it's just talking about don't deny his love to. Yeah, I'm gonna type that so I can find it later. Ingrata, okay. And that's a song you could just listen to. Yeah, over and over and over. Does it take you back to when you were... I'm I'm sure it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, and, I mean, they're just a really, really awesome band. They're an old school band. And just their their tones, their melodies, just there's the words that they use, the lyrics that they... It's just pretty pretty cool. Do you speak Spanish? Or I don't. Do you, I get a lot of crap for it. Do you understand Spanish? I actually don't either. No, I love I love listening to it. And then um, when my uh, my Mexican friends or whoever, they they hear me listening to it. So they obviously they assume. And I go, I have no idea. It just sounds beautiful. Salsa music, bachata music. What's your ethnicity, uh, if you don't mind I'm asking? I'm Filipino and Irish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife always tells the story it's how that, that brown skin. Yep, it definitely that brown she's, skin. yeah. She she's always like, I thought you were Mexican for the longest time. And I go, yeah, I, I get that a lot. And her family, as I was meeting them, they're like, oh, and then they speak Spanish to me. And I go, I'm so sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I but I don't. I, I no. Unfortunately, it's all right. it's yeah, all right. yeah, yeah. I you should learn it. I actually, I I downloaded an app so I could learn it because they kept, uh, they would give her crap for not teaching me, and then they, she'd give me crap for not asking. And I go fine, so I got an app, so I'm learning like the basic stuff uh, as I'm going. But uh, I'm definitely trying, yeah. Because then, then maybe I could pick things up in the songs. But the music is beautiful, whatever it is, and I just enjoy it, yeah. Um, when did something start out badly for you, but it turned out um, really great? 
Um, I would, for me recently, I would have to say when I got in that car accident, mm. it really was a, a setback, you know. I had at that moment just let go of my other job. Yeah. So that full on 45000 that I was making, mm-hmm. which wasn't shit. Yeah. <laughs> that I was making at that point, I no, no longer had it, you know, and then my vehicle goes and now I'm having to deal with the other vehicle um, that hit me, it was a, like a landscaping company. So they were fighting it really bad not to pay my vehicle out. Still to this day, I deal with those issues, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, like at that moment, I was like, damn, I just let go of my job. I'm going to have to start struggling about a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so my equipment, you know, is out of the equation. How am I going to do this? And then I remember one day Cobra hit me up and was like, hey, we need you. See if you wanted to set up and give you a, rial, a trial run and see what people think about your food. And I was like, damn, this is like an amazing opportunity. Yeah. I remember when I first started seeing Cobra and I first started coming I was like man this would be a great place to set up food you know just to mm-hmm. come out but they had other food vendors at the time and at that point that just kind of got off my radar and yeah. all of a sudden this happens you know the car situation then boom what I had been wanting to manifest and kind of gave up on yeah. kind of just popped up again you know and I was like well do I take it do I leave it what do I do I was working at that and then I ended up picking up the job at the kitchen and I was like well, I'm gonna stick with the kitchen for a little bit and and go with that but it, I don't know just an instinct that told me you know what just do it mm-hmm. do it regardless of the struggle regardless of what you have to do just do it what mm-hmm. is there to lose you literally are in a place where yeah. you let go of everything you had your house you know your job to create this transition to something you really wanted Mm-hmm. So why stop now when you're halfway through? Yeah. You know, just because it became a little unstable and a little scary and a little unsure. And it was a bunch of emotions. Yeah. But at that point, I just followed through with it. And and I responded back to Cobra and I was like, yeah, uh, I'll give it a try. We'll do Tuesdays and we'll do Taco Tuesdays for sure. And mm-hmm. I started doing Taco Tuesdays. I used to go in with literally no more than, I see maybe a total of 15 pounds okay. of meat, included yeah. three different meats. So I'm talking about like maybe if that six pounds of each meat, five pounds at times of each meat, which yeah. is nothing, you know? Right. And then I just started getting more demand and more demand and more demand. and. I mean, we're working out of ice chests and maintaining as the temperatures at, at with the, our ice and, and that. So it's like the demand starts getting bigger and bigger. It's to mm-hmm. a point where I'm starting to sell out. I can't bring out as much. So now there's only a limited quantity amount of things. Yeah. So at this point, I'm selling out and people are requesting the food. So then I extended my day because there was an opportunity that they had an open spot there. And I was like, well, I'll take Tuesday, or Tuesdays and Thursdays, you know and it started going that way and it started going really well and I mean now I'm what just a little over a year there working at the site and I've taken over Tuesday I was there Wednesday at one point but I let it go just because I picked up Friday and Saturdays Mm. so I'm there four days out of the week 
you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, right now that our sum that summer's out, we changed our hours where they're from nine thirty to one thirty on the weekdays okay. and until two thirty on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just trying to expand those late hours and enjoy uh, Arizona at its finest times Ooh, and its prime times. It is, that. yeah. Because it gets hot. It gets hot. <laughs> yeah, it it's gets terrible. quite hot. Yeah. So, and that's how we've gotten where we've gotten. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, what would you say your superpower is? I guess... Uh, my passion behind what I put yeah. my vision to yeah. passion that I have that I carry because mm-hmm. I mean regardless whether it's this or something else if I really genuinely want it I'm the kind of person that figures out how to get it mm-hmm. you know yeah um, so the last one if if you had a just a three day just break no work what would you do with the three days? I would spend it with my family. I would try okay. to spend it with my family. Um, go camping. I really enjoy going camping. Yeah. Uh, something again about cooking in in the middle of the woods for me is yeah. is nostalgic. Um, we never necessarily as a family or in my parents would, would we go camping but it was more of me as a teenager going out with my friends you know uh, as a young adult going out at that time with my girlfriend and just being out there for a few days three four days and just cooking on the edge of the creek or something yeah. it was just being creative with with again the limited amount of ingredients that you can carry with you for that duration of time yeah there still be perishable by the third day <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely you know yeah but cool. thank you thank you so much for doing this oh, absolutely thank and, you for um, having me you're at Cobra Arcade Tuesday Thursday Friday Saturday yes uh, 9.30 to 1.30 weekdays on weekdays and, and then, then 2.30 on the weekends unless we sell out and, and then, yeah. sometimes it just depends we yeah, definitely yeah. can um, but yeah you can follow us on Instagram yeah uh, under the Baja Roots AZ and then uh, well hopefully like everything is planned we're planning on doing the yeah uh, La Mordida and I mean we're shooting hopefully for like October to be able to open up and Ooh, get that's that quick going. yeah we've been we've been working behind that's the scenes awesome. I, yeah. I've been working behind the scenes for a few months now trying to figure that situation out yeah um, we're currently under some construction so are you able to say about where yeah, physically yeah, 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 it is? Absolutely. Or? Well, we're look, right now where we're at, we're on 17th Street in McDowell. Um, we're okay. going to oh. cut right across the street from Carambas. Yes. Um, right directly across the street. There used to be a marisco shop there. We're mm-hmm. taking up that spot. Um, Ooh, so we're kind of jumping into Ooh. that whole taco uh-huh. scene in that street, which I'm kind of excited for. You know, The other day I had somebody... I explained to them where we were going to be opening, and they immediately were like, oh, you're not scared? I was like, about what? what? They're like, it's competition. There's this taco there, this taco that. And I was like, you know, 
I'm not even scared about the competition. I was like, that's not even my fear. I was like, I'm not going in as a competition. I really want to go in there as a collaboration, mm. you know, collaborate with all these other taco spots. Everybody has their own, like I said, their own way of making their food. I mean, there's taco meat. Those are 85 cent tacos. I always question how are they so cheap, but uh, uh, that's not my, uh, <laughs> that's not my <laughs> But, uh, you know, they're Michoacan uh, yeah, sell tacos, and you have taco chivas, completely different style tacos. Mm -hmm. and I know La Marquesa just recently opened there, which that's like a concept with La Santisima, mm -hmm. which they sell nothing but birria style tacos. Um, so there is different tacos there, but like I, I don't feel we need to go in there as a competition, necessarily just collaborate and make it a scene, make it, make it a, yeah. a, a spot, make it a taco boulevard, make it... Yeah whatever you know what i mean more mexican foods like i'm telling you bring that community mm -hmm. from the west side that need to be exposed with their food and yeah. put them down all like down and expose that this is what arizona is this is what phoenix is mm -hmm. this is the culture that you know has gotten lost right yeah and why not here i mm -hmm. mean like i said we're growing so big in the downtown area that's fine grow let us get some kind of, you know, um, revenue mm -hmm. being put into that community. Yeah. Let them identify themselves. Don't just bring one, two, or three, uh, you know, of them from the west side and throw them as your line cook and then eventually start picking their heads for their recipes yeah. and then put it on your menu. Mm -hmm. like, that, that, at the end of the day, that's how a lot of it is, you know, and, and that's, it shouldn't be that way. No. Well, thank you again, and I think it's beautiful. It's super delicious, and I'm I'm hoping I can. It's gonna have to be a Friday or Saturday. Yeah, but absolutely. yeah, no, Please I would. Sneak I would love out. to. Yeah, I would. And the wife sneak out. Yes, uh, not without her, you'll get in trouble. Oh no, she'll be pissed <laughs> if I eat that food without her. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you again. Thank you.